Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kozlik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, I'm not going to ask how it's going, because it's f***ing crappy right now. And, uh, the, the, there are two tweets that have just been sort of just like cycling in my brain, uh, recently, past few days. Um, one was the, whoever's in charge of the Madeline Langle, uh, Twitter tweeting about yeah. that, that amazing quote from Wrinkle in Time about Meg needing all of her anger. Just yeah. getting emotional just thinking about it. And the other one is from Broad City with uh, Alana going, how? Am I? Which is just, just such a perfect, yeah. That's, I feel like that's how most of the women are right now, and quite a few of the men. Uh, how's it going yeah. for you? It's, I mean, I got a little reprieve because I went to go see the McElroy's uh, play Dungeons and Dragons last night. Ah, um, excellent. Yeah, it, it was very fun. Very important. Yeah, so it was very fun. I had a nice out outing, anniversary outing with my person, but I spent most of yesterday watching the uh, Dr. Ford and Judge Kavanaugh um, hearings, though I only watched a little bit of the Kavanaugh hearings since I was trying to finish up work, but I watched basically the entirety of the Ford hearing. And I think that, at least as it pertains to sort of television, mm-hmm. I think that this... The one-two punch of these uh, testimonies really demonstrates sort of the weird sort of disconnect that we have in terms of seeing and listening to people present cases and how what our expectations are for people to do that and how we respond to that, which is something that we can only get through television. And we can see physicality, we can see um, facial expressions, we can see nervous ticks. These are things that you cannot get in radio. These are not things that you can get um, through, except for the most well-written newspaper articles, um, or even through really, really good like el- court illustrations. <laughs> um, and so it speaks to the ability of television to broadcast these images and broadcast these moments to us that we get to see and experience Dr. Ford being incredibly deferential to the committee and being as accommodating as possible and speaking in a way that conveys the fact that she wants to be as helpful as she possibly can be. Um, And also just the meekness of being like, I may need a caffeine break. And the sheer sort of degree of humanity that that comes through with that, and even how her shoulders kind of hunch when she's like, if it's not too much of a trouble, if I can have a Coke. Um, And then juxtapose those images against Judge Kavanaugh coming out with just this angry blog rant. (laughs) Um, of an opening statement and the physicality of that that comes through through television images and how that gets captured and how that gets displayed and then the ups and downs and the fact that we get reaction shots to all of this from committee members and how they're responding and this sort of a thing that again we can only get through television 
And it demonstrates the sort of response and engagement that everyone has to certain people and our expectations of that. And I think that this is just a really telling sort of moment on a number of levels, but from a television sort of perspective, it was just really out in full force in a way that probably hasn't been out in full force since, I mean, probably since Anita Hill. Um, But just... It was there, and it was really potent and really powerful. And the fact that now, like, my person is working from home today, and we watched, like, a little bit of the Judiciary Committee voting to move Kavanaugh's nomination out of committee to a full vote, which is happening in basically an hour and a half. So by the time that we finish recording, (laughs) he'll be a judge on the Supreme Court, almost certainly. And that... I, when I came up here, um, it was just the stepping away from the television to come up here and discuss scripted television and the Great British Bake Off. Um, just it was something that I was looking forward to, but it was also like I have to I have to leave right now to go not share your rage and go do this. But we were we were going to basically probably sit and watch the news if I hadn't needed to come up here and record and. Yeah, we were just gathering around the TV to, like, angrily tweet <laughs> and do this. And I think that that's just, it's it all speaks to how television can really connect us and provide images for us to discuss and gather around, which is what you and I do every week. And we don't always do it about C-SPAN, <laughs> but... <laughs> We do it about an, any number of things and how we interpret those images and what those words are. And I think that that's just really great. And I think that it's just been really great. So, and we're coming up on also like closing in on my anniversary of being mm-hmm. on the podcast again. And so all of that's kind of like circulating in my head. So thank you, Kate, um, mm-hmm. for doing this. And yeah, so how you, I've been monologuing and I apologize. <laughs> How are you? (laughs) How am I? Well, see previous statement. Um, To keep things on a TV place, I do think it is interesting as people who watch a lot of TV and think about it a lot and think about presentation and think about, um, like you say, like reaction shots and all these different things that can't help but like affect and reinforce the way that I view things like the uh, the hearings that we had on Thursday, and I'm sure I will go tune into some of the the voting and everything uh, today as we record, if I can deal with it. Um, everybody's right. different. Some people needed to walk away from it. Some people need to watch it, and those are both equally valid, you know, responses. Y'all do mm-hmm. you, whatever you need, whatever works for you. Is going to cause the least harm or or, or be the most uh i guess the health the, the healthiest choice the choice you need to make um yeah. but no it's really hard it's really hard as and that says someone who is not a survivor is fortunate enough to not be a survivor though i would imagine you know like a lot of people um i don't know how many people especially men but you know like especially cis uh, cis straight white men I have understand what this means, but the the notion of well, it's just a matter of time, is always been something in the back of my head, and yeah. that's from someone who hasn't experienced abuse and trauma personally, but has just seen it with 
enough of my friends and enough people that I know. Um, so, so yeah, it's just, it's, you know, watching the performance of both of these witnesses, uh, and I say performance just to put it in the lens of television, it sure. just couldn't be more stark. It couldn't be more, like, you couldn't script this, right? No, you couldn't script it any better. <laughs> no. Um, and even, even down to a guy whose last name is Flake deciding to, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Well, and surprising no one. I've just been all about the uh, the ladies and various people, but particularly the ones, the clips I've seen have been ladies, shaming the shit out of uh, the male GOP senators yeah. as they walk to the elevator has been great. Um, but, like, like watching Ford's testimony... Uh, which was incredibly affecting, and um, the the rumors going around were that President Trump was upset that nobody told him that she would be believable, because <laughs> that's you know. Uh, so watching that, and then and, and just having a little part of me empathize, and a little part of me just die a little bit every time she apologized, mm-hmm. um, and then watching Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh. Um, just to decide to go a grieved baby and man child. And then to watch the coverage of it, focus in on his rage and completely ignore his simpering and ignore his, um, entitled blubbering. Like there's a space for emotion, obviously for, and and for, uh, I'm glad there haven't been too many. There's been some jokes, but not too many headlines that would accuse him of weakness for having an emotional response because that's not what I would like to see happen to a woman if they you know if Dr. Ford had been emotional more emotional than she was she was very emotional and so was Anita Hill by the way thank you very much people who don't seem to remember that just see a stoic black woman as strong and not emotional that's absurd anyways that's a conversation for another time um, but to see the coverage not hone in on his Again, entitled, entitled whimpering. He practically said, but you promised me. You promised yeah. me this highest court in the land. Like, I busted it's not, my butt. This is a job application. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, exactly. It's like lots of other people work really hard and they don't get to be on the Supreme Court. And, you know, they don't allegedly rape women so or, or men or anyone. Um, so yeah, that's really what has made this so, so painful to view. I I feel like some of the various, you know, comedians and also, um, political theoretical, like pundits who are many of them journalists and many of them actors as well, the both, they can be both, um, have the, the, the tack they've decided to take, I think has been misguided and has overlooked the most impactful part of the hearing for me for Kavanaugh of what I saw before I had to go to work. And that was this, this, again, this entitlement. I saw some people tweeting pictures of um, Pete from Mad Men and it is is absolutely Pete from Mad Men. Um, What we saw was Pete from Mad Men. And and it just really felt um, like they're, you know, they want this narrative of, female calm and strength under duress and male rage. But I feel like, uh, in my opinion, the that's missing such a powerful dimension of this, which is that entitlement, which is that, that bluster. And, and what makes all of this so impactful to me is that there, it doesn't need to be a, he said, she said, because there are, there's another person 
Yeah. There, there actually is another person they could interview and they don't want to. And that's what has made like, I unfollowed my godfather on Facebook today, which might not mean much to some people, but to me it meant a lot. Yeah. And I, I didn't unfollow him after the election. I didn't unfollow him when I saw, like, I didn't stop trying to reach out to him and try to open a dialogue and try to understand how someone who has a badass, independent, uh, confident, smart teacher lady as, as, as a wife and raised two badass, independent, strong, kind, generous, amazing, lovely daughters could not be sure about the the allegations against Trump. Like, that wasn't enough. But supporting Lindsey Graham and supporting Kavanaugh was enough where I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And it's because there is more evidence. And they just don't want it. They don't, you know, like, I could see how you could lie to yourself about some of these other allegations because you don't want it to be true and you want to just believe that these people are lying. But this isn't that. And, um... So it's just been, it's been a lot. And I, I'm just on a TV level, just looking at the way this has been covered, the, 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 the notes that get picked up by all these different people. It's just, it's such a statement in our culture and where we are and how far we've come and how far we haven't, how, you know, the amount to which we've regressed. People get surprised by looking at the numbers of women working in different industries and it, like in the TV industry, it's been flat, like percentage wise, percentage of the directors and writers and different things that are women, especially women of color for decades. But there actually are lower percentages of women (laughs) directors now than there were back in like the very beginning of the film industry. Like it's gone Uh down. And the, um, the, the treatment of, of Dr. Ford was better than the treatment of Anita Hill. Uh, Professor Hill, I should say. Um, but like, in some ways it was better, and in some ways it was worse. So, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. It's amazing to watch patterns and to see how this stuff gets covered. And yeah, this is the different, the various performances by both Ford and by Kavanaugh, and what apparently continues to be effective and to continues to be a feature, not a bug. Of our current political system. Yay. Yay! So, listeners, that's how we're doing. Yeah. That's what we're up to. Uh, it is very gripping, though. You know, you can. It, it's interesting, the structure that they took, these five-minute chunks. Uh, it's almost like they were <laughs> looking for uh, soundbite, you know? Like, the, the approach, the structure, so that, you know... Yeah. By having these little segments that are just highly excerptable, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and the, the action shots, you know, cutting back and forth and the different angles and everything. Like it is just, it's, it's very, it's very, uh, photographed and very considered from that point of view. And I know that the, the GOP is trying to keep the, the, the things moving and they, they're trying to, steamroll this guy through and that's part of why they took the approach they did to the questions and everything but like <clears throat> yeah it's just really it was it, i felt like it, it feels almost unreal like you'd like it to be unreal 
because yeah. of, you know, at least we would like it to be unreal. But, um, well, I don't want it to be unreal because that show ended up being a garbage fire, but <laughs> I would like it but, to be unreal. But this one is starting as a garbage fire, you know, but, yeah. but like those, <laughs> those shots going around of, of the, um, those shots from the second season of The Handmaid's Tale, where you have mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the all male panel, uh, uh, hearing that looks, eerily similar to this one like there were shots that were being thrown around uh side by side and it just it was this like if you were going to film it like they did in handmaid's tale this is what you would do and yeah. uh yeah like the, the the entitled sniveling this was a walter this is walter white right this yeah. is a peep uh peep from the the uh, the peep from uh mad men um this is that kind of entitled male figure and it's like I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this. Apparently, no one ever has, ever in your life. But just because you work really hard, doesn't mean you get stuff. Just because you deserve something, doesn't mean you get it. And I would also argue that you'd even deserve this. But regardless, what other job application could you do this, and then it, you get the job? Like none, ever. None. Ever. No, I mean, the next time I have an interview, I'm going to talk about how much I don't like beer, but also like beer. <laughs> yeah, well, or also get belligerent at uh, your your interviewers and... Yeah, and ask them if they've ever been blackout drunk. Yeah, the specifically yeah. The, the, the women, much yeah. more than the men. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. I, it's just, I, I hope this is enough to convince some of the people that are somehow still on the fence about various political choices... Um, I don't know how it possibly could be if you weren't paying attention until now, but I did see some really fun tweets going around. Like, of like, yeah. it seems like the only thing you could assume is that GOP, like they, they seem like they believe her. They just don't care. It's like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you didn't know yeah. that. Yes. No. Obviously. That's, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And that's <laughs> what it's been like for a long time. This is not new. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you just haven't. Oh, you've been how's it how's life like in your world it's very different than out here (laughs) anyways we should probably unless there's more you'd like to dive in with because no 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 i think i think we should dive into our weekend tv which is listeners surprisingly short Um, yeah we watched a bunch of stuff a lot of stuff but yeah yeah. we're we're highlighting we're highlighting this good stuff this week and then next week is the deluge (laughs) <laughs> yeah next week we got several finales so yeah. shows that we've been kind of waiting on for the finale or like a bunch of the next week um yeah. we there are some premieres more premieres this week but we're only chiming in on one of them um and two of them, technically yeah. two of them oh yes you're right two of them and uh yeah we're the the we're gonna have a long list in tv i guess you know what three because we're also going to talk three. about murphy brown yeah uh, that's true we uh so so you can't watch murphy brown legally uh be- because of music rights you can watch a handful if you yes, have cbs 18. all access yeah 18 episodes of the original run of the 10 season run of murphy brown um mm-hmm. or you can find it in various youtube like websites around the internet um, yep. and the reason is because of music rights we'll get into yes. that when we talk about it but uh but murphy brown came back uh last night with its first episode, and we're going to have thoughts about the the whole run of the show, and then we'll also talk about the the premiere. That's going to be our our spotlight segment this week. But oh man, we should uh, get in with our weekend TV. So we're going to take a break, listen mm-hmm. to a little music uh, inspired by one of our picks uh, this week of you know things that we wanted to talk about, and then come back with our weekend in TV. So 
Yeah, I was, I'm, I gotta, I think I'm gonna just need like a little screen break. And yeah, cheers to anyone out there who needs them or cry break. Those two, like seriously, listeners, if you aren't very emotional or like just on the edge about the stuff that's going on in the Kavanaugh hearing and confirmation process right now, I guarantee you. At least a couple of your very close friends or family members are. So just be be kind to each other out there, you know, if you can. And uh, if you need to lock eyes with a stranger across the, the mall as you're going to pick something up from the store and just be like, share a moment of just white hot fury and rage with them. Because there's a lot of us out there feeling that way right now. So we'll take a break, listen to some music. And be back after this highly rambly opening with our week in TV. We'll be right back after this. This week in TV, we're going to talk about the two-part season premiere of The Good Place. Everything is Bonzer. <laughs> then we have Bonzer? 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 I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, then we'll talk about, or I will talk about Always Sunny in Philadelphia's Big Time's Up episode, Time's Up for the Gang. Then we'll talk about season eight of Great British Baking Show, or Great British Bake Off, I should say, not Baking Show. This is on Netflix, the most recent yeah. season, aired in the UK a while ago. Then I will talk about the season premiere of Lethal Weapon in the same boat, and we'll round things out with the series finale of The Miniaturist, episode three. This was the three-part miniseries we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, first up is The Good Place, and... Listeners may remember that screeners went up for this a while ago. I watched this. I lasted about, like, almost a week after the screeners went up. So I feel like that was pretty good. But I was glad this week. I was very glad that I had already watched this Uh and that I did not watch it last night because I feel like significant chunks of it would have – I wouldn't have been able to appreciate them in the mental state I was in last night. So – uh for some people, I saw a difference of people talking about, like, this being escape viewing for them and, like, getting to a happier, better, healthier mindset for at least, you know, the the hour of this two-part premiere. Um, but for me, I was glad to have watched it ahead. I really I really enjoyed the premiere. Uh, how did you watch it, and what did you think? I watched the premiere last Sunday, uh, curled up with my person on in my, in our, in my bed um, yeah. since... Uh, we didn't feel like hooking the laptop up to a computer, um, the laptop up to the television. Uh, so we just sat in bed and watched it and, uh, God, it's so good. I'm Mm -hmm. so glad it's back. And this premiere is really good. Um, it's really deft in how it brings the game back together very, very quickly. And since we knew it was going to happen anyway, (laughs) but I like that the way that they went about it. And it was just really funny. Uh, the 
the little fly in the ointment at the end is really delightful. Um, mm-hmm. And that gets played to really great effect. I've Full disclosure, I've seen episodes three and four already as well. Did you watch them already? No, no, I made, I made sure wow. to stop. Yeah, that's that's some restraint. We just barrel listeners. Through. <laughs> that's for you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so episode episode three is really good as well, um, which is next week's episode. Uh, so, but yeah, it was just really great, and I think still like my favorite thing about it is how much it carries through with the finale of season two of like yeah it's hard to be a good person because you just start backsliding into your old ways mm-hmm. and i so i really appreciated getting those vignettes of chidi um tani and um jason uh as their little ups and downs and they had these great successes and then just completely collapsing mm-hmm. of like Okay, you know how I said we don't do crime anymore? We do crime now. Go do crime. (laughs) I was just like, this is very good. I very much appreciate this. Also, I feel like someone should have told your dance crew that you were too large before you even entered. That's on them. Yeah. (laughs) That's not on you, Dance Dance Resolution. That's on them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it was a fun premiere, and I like the time that we spent with them. I was very glad, it, grateful it was a two-part premiere and we didn't have, yes. like, I feel like if we had split it up like week to week, uh, it would have really lost some of the momentum and energy. So I thought mm-hmm. it worked very well as a two-part premiere. And uh, I, like you said, I really liked the twist at the end uh, for several reasons, not the least, is it's fun to see that actor again. I feel like we're mm-hmm. just, in case people haven't seen it yet, we're kind of yeah. not spoiling things. That's okay. Um, I liked the introduction of the uh the doctor i guess uh, i like the that neuro- character the neuroscientist, neuroscientist. Yeah, yeah 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 um yeah that was fun i i've seen that actor in other things and i can't place her name um but but i'm enjoying the dynamic right now i liked uh, a little thing about mark harman who's <laughs> a lot of fun and um, and accurate yeah well and and we'd seen the they showed the opening scene at comic-con and mm-hmm. i it was just as delightful the second time the frog thing and like the, the just like he straight up just like unabashedly just likes frogs there's just a yeah. frog you know like yeah. uh, that performance from michael malley was terrific and i thought just spot on uh the the who do you think's going to be making the key the duplicate key is that going to be uh the that's the bad place is going to do that or michael's going to end up doing that um I can't answer that. <laughs> mm. That means we find out soon. Okay. Well, well more on that in a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was set up uh, the like the arc for the season really well. I thought that there uh, is plenty of potential for what's coming next. I thought that the in terms of pulling strings to get the gang back together after splitting them apart. You know, it worked. It worked very well. I mean, obviously, you have somebody literally pulling strings to make it happen, and so it's yes, yeah. they're making you know, like it, it. So it works. But I, I'm hoping we get more Janet soon, and uh, just out of the needs of the episodes, she's barely in them. I would imagine she'll be get away from the ticker tape pretty soon, and I look forward to when that happens. But um, yeah, yeah I, I thought it was a strong premiere, really fun, and again. We, Curious and interested in conversations yes. about morality, ethics, and and what it means to be human. And that's just lovely to see. And I, I continue to, like any other show, it's hard for me to think of another show that could 
get me on board with Michael the way that this show has. Or get me to, like, overlook the fact that they've just straight up rewritten his character. And there's been some amount of growth, but mostly they've been just like, eh, let's make him a villain. Eh, let's make him a good guy. And and Ted Danson is really good, so he pulls it off. But yes. also it, it it speaks to what the show needs. And when they when he needs to needed to be an antagonist, it worked great. And when that served the overall tone of the show and the comedy, that's what they did. And now it works better for him to be, you know, on their on their side, on their team, Team Cockroach. Um, and that I think they've really pulled that off, and that says a lot. As for the rest of the characters, uh, I'm not quite sold on some of the Tahani stuff yet, but I yeah. look forward to being. And, um, yeah, I think that it's going to be fun to see what they do. And I don't put it past them to just completely blow up the show again five episodes from now. And then I don't know what they would do next, but something. And <laughs> Noel might, might be giggling into his hands, everyone. Um, we'll see what happens again. This is why I've not watched the next two. Uh, but after we record, I will watch the next one, and maybe then you'll get some texts. But uh, it was a strong mm-hmm. premiere, and I'm glad it's back. And um, yeah, yeah, right. We need more so, of the good place in our lives. We do. Um, so the actress playing Simone, who's the neuroscientist, is Kurt, Kirby Harold Baptiste, uh, who we mm-hmm. most recently saw in Killing Eve. Oh yes, of course. That's yeah. That would be why. Yeah. Okay. Any other so, thoughts on this one? Right, so there's that. Uh, there's a lot of Janet stuff in the next episode. So it's right. very good Janet stuff. Um, so it's really, really good. Um, and I think that the, the show's dedication to, like you said, interrogating these, what it means to be good. And then like branching away from just the philosophy of it and going into, all right, well, let's talk about the neuroscience type of aspect of it, or at least poke at that we're not really going to get into it too much Mm -hmm. um but we're going to poke at it a little bit to show that there's other aspects of being a good person and how that gets represented in our brains um and how our brains influence that uh on a biochemical level i think is a really fun way of exploring that and this melding of these two sort of tracks i think is really good and it also I think that a lot of the reason why this premiere works is Simone, like her presence mm-hmm. helps to balance out this kind of ridiculousness of all four of them being back together in Australia. And only which, them. And only them, like literally no other people <laughs> who had near death experiences. Um, <laughs> and also just the fact that it is in Australia just feels like a very clear sort of Damon Lindelof homage. Um, which I very much appreciate as well. But I think that Simone's presence helps to balance out a lot of the... It provides them with a different kind of energy and a different kind of impetus for being together. That if it was just Chidi conducting interviews, it probably wouldn't have worked as well, I think. Um, So I think that there's just a lot of really good stuff coming down the pipeline. And like you said, that they do set it up really, really nicely um for what they're going to do going forward hopefully and what they're going to explore as we sort of enter into a sort of a purgatory timeline of like all right let's see if they can get better mm-hmm. and what that what those ramifications are if the good place just ends up being this remake of Dante's Divine Comedy somehow <laughs> um, and how that works. So I'm, I'm once again just very excited to have The Good Place back and if you want me to tell you 
Yeah, yeah. No, never mind. I'm just very excited to have it back. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. More on this next week. Yeah. Okay. Um, they blow up. They blow things up at the end of episode four. They can't wait. They can't contain. They themselves. just can't do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Um. Okay. So next up is it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which has had a solid but not great thirteenth season so far. Um. This episode is times up for the gang, and so it's their times up episode. And th- I, this was just really fun to watch. And okay, there's good. A, yeah. No, I, I don't think it's as. It wasn't as uh, laugh-out-loud funny for me as their other best episodes have been or the other memorable ep- recent episodes have been. Um, but there's there's one just amazing visual gag that was just stunning and uh, hilarious. What we get in the episode that makes it so satisfying to watch is, like, all of the characters, obviously, on the show are terrible and creeps. Um, and mo- and, and so the, the four guys in, you know, the central cast, right, are there and there's kind of like grumbling about, you know, needing to go or whatever. Who knows what, you know, I can't believe we get to spend our today. And then, and then D walks in with popcorn because she's just so happy <laughs> to watch them <laughs> get lectured and find out that all they've been doing all these horrible things. Of course, by the end of the episode, she's found out that she also has done, has sexually assaulted and harassed people. And it, it, so there's lots of comeuppance that's really satisfying to watch. The final reveal towards the end uh, doesn't work as well for me as I think it did for other people, but it's fine. And it, it really fits into the solid, everyone on the show is terrible theme. And uh, yeah, it it's not an all-time great episode for me, but it was just like watching characters find out that like, no, that's called stalking. And that's not okay. But like, really, I just, just I think it's their fault for not understanding that I just love them so much. It's just, you know, it's it's fun. It's fun to watch. It's an easy target. Um, it's not the most creative they've ever been. But in this week, oh, was it satisfying? It was really satisfying. So uh, I'm going to leave it there. Let's talk about a very different kind of satisfying television. And that is The Great British Bake Off. You have not seen all of season eight. We've both yes. seen all of season eight. Uh, what did you think? Let's start with, do you want to start with the new host, the new judge, or the contestants? Uh, we can start with the new hosts, uh, who we had Sue, um... Oh, no, Sandy and, uh, what's the other guy? Oh, sorry, yeah, Sandy and Noel. And Noel, thank you. What did you yeah. think of Sandy and Noel? I really liked him. Um, I think that it actually, and my person made this observation, that it took Noel a little while to sort of get comfortable in everything. And once he did, the the, the little interceptions with them became much better. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that Sandy felt much more comfortable from the get-go. But then they both came to the forefront a lot more towards the end of the season, which I liked. Um, but it was also just weird to see... How much they really interacted with Paul a lot more, I feel like, than I'd seen Mm -hmm. in Mel and Sue had done. And so that was really weird. And how Paul sort of also interacted with them in much, much more direct ways, which was also just kind of weird. And I'm not sure how to reconcile in my brain. But I think that they both did a really good job. Um, And I do think that they when they engage the um, contestants, it was typically really, really good. Um, I just, I just really wanted Stephen and Stephen Noel to make out 
because there was just <laughs> so much chemistry there. And I know that's a little creepy because it's real people, but just, just like there was a lot of chemistry there. Um, <laughs> but I really, I really liked the, uh, the two of them and I thought that they did a really good job. Um, and since I'd only seen like the first two of these from CBC, um, it was still like a little, it was okay, but it wasn't great. Um, but I think that they definitely got more comfortable as the show went on. So I really enjoyed them. Uh, how did you feel about them by the end? I think they were definitely better by the end. Um, yeah. But some of the ticks are still bo- bothering me. I was trying to be more open-minded about it. And like some of the the sing-songy thing was getting really on my nerves from Noel. And that's me. Who yeah. should I should like sing-songy things. Um, but I think that the... Um, they, they they go for kind of like awkward comedy mm-hmm. for a while. I don't think that works for yeah, this. It doesn't. When they go goofy, it works. When they go yes. like silly and like you know that that works. But uh, silly when they versus break that earnest. Teacup is so good. <laughs> yeah. See, I was just looking at it like why why would you break a perfectly good teacup? That yeah. That is he didn't mean to. <laughs> sure, sure he didn't. That wasn't a bit at all. Um, anyways, I'm making a face, listeners. But, um, but, but yeah, they grew on me over the course of the season. I thought that the, the, there was just an element of try hard that Mm -hmm. really made some of the, like, the opening bits kind of laborious, especially earlier in the season. Like, when Mm -hmm. they're on a gondola setting up a terrible pun, I'm like, say the terrible pun, but don't put all the effort into, like, make a different set so that you can make a terrible pun. Because then it's just like, ugh trying too hard um at least that's you know so that 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 stuff didn't work for me as well but i th- i do agree that they really eased into it later on and the rapport between the bakers and the and the hosts really grew over the course of the season and that's mm-hmm. what finally like got me yeah. much more on board with them yeah that makes sense and there's definitely like a lot of rapport by the end i think and that works really well uh how did you feel about prue yeah no she mentioned freaking yeah. calories one more time. Yeah, a lot. We're going to have a problem. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was one too many times. It was one too many times. Any of them um, is too many times. But yeah. yes. No, that's true. You're in a baking show and you're judging a baking show and there's no reason to mention the calories and also all the food's really good. So who cares? It doesn't And matter. we all know that this is horribly calorific. Yeah. Like it is known. Like yeah. you're the whole it, it added this element of judgment and shame. Mm-hmm. Um and and like blame to yeah. to the judging that I I'm sure that they hadn't even thought of but like like her saying well this one like oh this one would be worth the calories it means that yeah. you're saying the other one wasn't worth the calories and yeah. and it's shame on them for making something that for me to eat that wasn't worth the calories they just made me fat right it's yeah. like what that translates to. Well, that's the message you're sending. And the whole point of this show is supposed to be a celebration of baking and of home baking and of expressing love and and, and uh, tradition and positive yeah. memories and everything through food. And so yeah. like, even if it doesn't work out, it's that's not even if like the bake doesn't come together as well as it should. The the love behind it and the effort right. and the care behind it is what matters. Yeah. That's what the show's always been. And so when yeah. you start talking about, oh, uh, well, this one would be worth the calories, it means that 
the other ones wouldn't be, and that that you shouldn't have eaten them. You're judging yourself or other people for eating that. It's like all yeah. this other negative stuff, and it, I do think it's actually a significant thing. And it's just this little offhand like comment. It's sort of like they were trying to make that her gimmick. Yes. By the end of the season, and I just think that's really destructive. It chips away at what the core of the show is, mm-hmm. um, in a way that they don't understand or realize or care about. Right, and also proof you're really worried about the calories. Don't make them make ginger biscuits with royal icing covered in it. It's just yeah. don't do it. Then make them do like a light sort of baked dessert of some kind. Yeah. They exist, but no, you decided to do Les Miserables slices and ginger biscuits covered in royal icing. You don't get to complain about the calories then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I also thought that there was uh, a lack of care for the in the judging from both Prue and Paul this season for finding the thing that they did well and yes. this one of the things I really appreciate about Bake Off in the past is that there was always this awareness that like okay so your your custard here might be a soupy mess but we know enough about baking to understand that the only thing that made it a soupy mess was like another one minute if you had had one minute different or like you had this one ingredient slightly off and because of the chemistry of baking that is enough to make it look like it's a big mess but it tastes great the flavors lined up the other other things are right so all you needed was just this if you fix this one little thing it the whole the whole bake would have worked out and uh and that was not i did not get the sense of that here it felt very much like a overall fail like, like, well, it didn't come together, so that's a shame, because I wanted this one to be good, but it's just not. As opposed to, well, the sponge is good, um, the, the custard didn't work, but the jelly uh, flavor works really nicely, and so if you tweak the custard, then, then it would all be much more successful, or something like that. Like, there was some of that, but not as much as there has been in the past. Right, and the critiques tend to be a little broader. Um, mm-hmm. This year, less detailed, and so that was that was a little odd to me. Uh, but your point about like finding the good in the bad was just generally sort of downplayed in favor, of, like you said, a pass fail sort of setup. Um, and it was it was just kind of weird. I mean, especially with like I think about a lot, like a lot of like the there's always like a push of like um, dichotomy sort of things of style and substance on this show anyway, mm-hmm. but they really drove it home this season for some reason, in part because of Steven's sort of panache for making really good looking things that just didn't taste particularly good sometimes or mm-hmm. up to the standard of what they looked like. But then there's not a, well, why didn't you try to do this or kind of do this and this kind, that kind of a thing uh, didn't really come through as much. And so that that was frustrating. And then, like, the standard stuff of Paul being like, I don't know that those flavors are going to go together. And I'm just like, Paul, lemon and lavender go together. You don't need to make a face about it. Those two flavors worked. Have you just not had them before? Is that what's happening? Have you not had any tea with lim- lim- lemon and lavender in it? Okay, well, let's fix that first. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it's like the episode where it was a while ago. It was earlier in the show, but it's it was some really basic flavor combination. It was like chocolate and peanut butter. Or no, it was yeah. bananas and peanut butter. It was like... Yeah, it's bananas uh, and peanut butter. I don't know if this will be good. It's like, that is straight up a thing. How do you yeah, not no, know that that is a thing? That's that's a thing. Like, that's, you, I mean, it killed Elvis? Elvis, but it's a thing. 
Yeah, yeah. That's uh, not so, true. So yeah. Bar- narcotics no. killed Elvis. <laughs> yes, yes. But um, yeah, it was, so there was, there was, yes, there was some of that that was weird. Um, I also thought that there was way more manipulative judging and uh, camera work and like editing, you know? The editing was so weird this season. It was aggressively yeah. weird. Yeah. My person and I were like very just like, Wait, no, that shot was, that previous sh- this montage is poorly put together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there was also, um, I was, I was, uh, less than enthused with just some of the judging choices or, and how they defined it. It's like they really wanted everything to come down to the showstopper every week. Mm. And yeah. in Which a way that Kate was Kate survived so long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There was like, yeah. But the thing is, and this takes us to, I would say, the, for me, at least the last part of our discussion, which is the contestants. They had a really, like, do you see what I was saying before? They had a really good field of contestants. The actual base themselves. such a good group. Yeah. Were really, really good. And I thought that yeah. the challenges were much better than they had been in the last few years of, of yeah. the last previous couple seasons of, of Baking Show, of Bake Off, I should say. And um, and so that, along with having such a good field of baking. So I didn't think it should have been in the finale. But uh, she brought it. She did a terrific job in the finale, and yeah. um, like so, like I, I would have eliminated her like several weeks earlier when she was up. I thought, yeah, yeah, no, Kate definitely should have been eliminated. Yeah, yeah, like when they when they did, um, I think it was when Liam got eliminated. Mm-hmm. I think I would have eliminated Kate that week. I don't remember. It, it's been a while since I watched it, but the point being, like. I think if they had put somebody else through instead of her, that other person would have also done really well. So while like I don't I don't yeah. think she should have been there at that point in the show, she was still really really good. You know what I mean? And it's not like there was anybody in the last few episodes who didn't who couldn't bake to that level, and uh, that's because that's always really frustrating. So I was glad that they had such a deep bench of bakers. Yeah, and I I do agree with you that the week that Liam went home, which was the Savoy Cake Week. Um, cause Kate's Savoy cake was just pitiful. It was mm. super basic. And Liam's biggest problem was that he did the sugar way too early mm-hmm. <laughs> and it had like completely collapsed by the time he presented it. But he also had like a really bad technical too. He came last mm. in the technical, I think that week. Um, and it's hard to come back from being last in the technical. Uh, this season especially felt like if you didn't do well in the technical, it was sort of difficult to come back. Though, again, Kate kept proving that week after week. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was a very good bench of people. And like you said, that the challenges were really good. I thought like a whole week to Caramel was really good. As and someone who we- has fought with Caramel plenty yeah. of times, like right. that was a good choice. Yeah, and it's, like, so finicky and just really difficult to work with. And so making an entire week devoted to that I thought was really good. Um, I enjoyed, like, Italian week and just, like, all right, yeah, no, make a pizza. And everyone would be like, yeah, we can do that. And everyone would be like, fuck me, we can't even make a basic pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there there was just a lot of really good challenges i think um overall even if again i do agree with you that there's just too much emphasis right now on the showstoppers and i do think that a lot of that just comes from show momentum of as we've sort of discussed before of like when i went back and pbs had aired like season 2 and just being like kate these showstoppers are not showstoppers they're just signatures again yeah yeah <laughs> 
And that transition away from that into basically, we're going to do Food Network Food War stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what that's what the standard is now. And now I do feel like that they're putting too much emphasis on that. Um, but then the technicals were also just delightfully difficult this season, I feel like, in, in ways like, like the pizza or the fortune cookies, I think especially, of like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, we, we, we know what these are. We have no idea how to make them. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit fun when you mix that up with, I have no idea what this is. Um, yeah. So, like, again, like the molten chocolate puddings is just like, no, I know what that is. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I think is I think is really fun. And so I appreciated that kind of a mix-up thing. Um, but I think that overall, it was a good season because they had such a great group of contestants. Oh, my heart for Jan and Liam to have a show mm-hmm. together. Oh, it'd be so Would good. Watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll say is, for the technicals, there were a few where no one did a good job. Mm-hmm. And especially when you have a field of bakers that are this good, yeah, I really think I really think that if no one does well on the technical, it's because it's the judges' faults. Like yes, it's because of the instructions that. that they gave, and that yeah. happened too many times. This like if that yes. happens once, fair enough. Yeah. But that happened too many times this season. Yeah, it's definitely at least twice. Um, I forget on which. Excuse me, which ones? Um, it was like the, the like when it was up to four. I think there was some of the the at the absolute end. Where it yeah. just was not, I mean, you know, to they all, my opinion, not, yeah. not acceptable. Yeah, they all struggled with the uh, Stroop waffles, uh, the caramel mm-hmm. waffles. Uh, it was just like, oh, this is really grainy. And it's just like, well, yeah, you're making caramel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. And um, you didn't give them any indication of what it should be, and they've never made yeah. this before, so. Yeah. And to, yeah. for caramel to go from stretchy to, to grainy takes very little. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, is that I, th- uh, they need to change when they're filming. Cause mm. it seemed like they really did this, so this season. Yeah. If you're, if they're baking or they can't bake outside in a tent, cause yeah. you can't be baking, expecting them to bake outside in a tent where chocolate is melting, sitting on a yeah. counter, not over yeah. the oven, not next to a heat source, just in the room. Yeah. Chocolate is melting. That means that they can't, like, you can then, or you can't expect them to do any chocolate work or any sugar work, or even yes. things like certain kinds of of frosting and like gum paste flowers and these different things. You can't expect them to do that if yeah. you are giving them a situation where it is too hot in the tent. Yes, you know, yeah. It's not like they had open flames. You know, that's unacceptable. That that cracked me up because Paul was just like, "Oh, well, it's forty five degrees in Palermo, and they're making this time." And I just went, Paul. 45 degrees Celsius is 113 degrees Fahrenheit. There's no fucking way anyone's making cannolis yeah. in that weather. They're Outside, inside. It, yeah. No. No, no it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And, and are they inside? Like, are they, are they making these in a refrigerated cart where everything yeah. is, they just make it in the refrigerator? Okay. Yeah. Then, then I can believe that. But that's not what yeah. you're asking them to do. So. No. Yeah. Yeah. And they all had the same situations that they're, you know, that they're dealing with. So I think that's a fair judgment. But uh-huh. it's not why we watch this show. We don't watch this yeah. show to watch the the judges and the situation. Like that's part of what it makes it so great is that in the past, yeah. every single oven was tested every single day yeah. with a with a sponge cake with a Victoria sponge cooked at the same time, started at the same time, so that they can ensure that every oven is equal, that no oven can break, as happened. Or, this yeah. season. Yes, or not work. Fuck? Like, like it just it felt 
like there were several indicators for me of a change in some of the personnel and some of the other production details behind the scenes that were affecting the bakers and that shouldn't happen. Yeah, I absolutely agree. When that door came off, I just went, I know those doors are supposed to slide. They're not supposed to come off. Yeah. And that's something that they should note when they are testing the ovens every day as they used to. So skeptical eyebrow. Um, Are you going to tune in for season nine? I mean, it's already in progress. Um, it's airing right now on Channel 4. They're like five, six episodes in. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we'll see. I mean, it it legitimately depends on how quickly it drops on Netflix. And I don't know what the window for that's going to be. Um, so it just it's it's a good thing to watch with my person. Is like we both really enjoy watching. Yeah. We both enjoy going, this is ridiculous to any number of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably... Um, uh, but I do think that their decision to have such a really their casting for this season really sort of helped move past the ire of Love Productions greediness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I, I very much want my Mary Berry and Melon Sue baking show already yes. in my eyeballs. Please and thank you very yeah, much. I, so I would like that in my eyeballs already, please. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to the next episode, and that is Lethal Weapon, which had its season three premiere in the same boat. And I'm just mentioning this because, of course, there's the big, highly publicized dust up behind the scenes between the two stars of Lethal Weapon, and they killed off Clayne Crawford at the in the the finale. Oh, did they? Okay. Or well, and they confirmed that the character's dead in the premiere with a shot of him going. You can't see his face going on a gurney into the surgery, and then the doctor comes out. Um. So this this is all about. Shifting the show to a new co-lead, you know, or second. Let's be very very clear here. Second lead. Second lead yeah. after. This is, this isn't a two-hander with The Rock. This is a co-lead. <laughs> this is a, no, there's clearly a second place in the call sheet. And uh, mm-hmm. the the series star was going to be certain about that. But Sean William Scott comes in as the new character. And I thought they did a terrific job of, of doing that. I, uh, you know, because I was curious to see how they would do. Uh, with that and um not only is sean william scott like the he can do this in his sleep the tone of the show that energy yeah anybody who's seen him in anything but if you've seen the rundown for example that's what he's doing here and it's an excellent fit for what they want lethal weapon to be but they also bring in maggie lawson as his uh, (gasps) estranged wife no or 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 ex-wife or a girlfriend i don't know baby mama the mother of his uh, of their daughter, um, and she's terrific in the little bit she gets. Mostly, it's just concerned wife, but there's some fun sniping back and forth with the two of them. They have good banter that that will work well if they you know choose to take advantage of it. Hey, Maggie Lawson's getting network money. I'm okay with that. Yeah, well, she's getting Fox network money at this point, which I feel like isn't a lot of money. <laughs> Still, it's a job. It's a job. Yeah. Um, the rest of it, I thought was very. You know, this is speaking of someone who does not have a connection to the character or to the performance, but I thought, you know, in my opinion, it was very respectful to, to Riggs and to the dynamic that the show had set up. I also uh, find the behavior of both of the stars completely unacceptable. So while Damon Wayne still has a job, um, that to me, (laughs) like the, the diva behavior described and evidence shown by Clint Crawford's leaking 
of, of various things around the set uh, is not acceptable. And Cla- Crawford's physically and emotionally abusive behavior is also not acceptable. So, Clayne Crawford fans, and you, I have sung the praises of, of Clayne Crawford on this podcast over and over again. I have written about how awesome he is as an actor on the AV Club and other places. Like, don't get me wrong, the guy can act, but that doesn't matter to me if you're being emotionally and physically abusive to other members of your set. That's true. That's not, that's not okay. Um, so I don't care that he's gone from the show. I don't think he deserves to still have a job after, you know, this behavior. And, um, so that may be coloring things, but they were, it was like, they, they might as well have just turned straight to camera said, I'm not trying to replace Riggs. <laughs> I know you guys all love Clay Crawford. I'm just, I want a job. Can I have a job? Um, so they're very unsubtle, uh, dialogue exchanges towards the end of the show, but I think that they did a good job handing off, you know, the reins to a new co-lead, and I think it'll work for most fans of Lethal Weapon. What I, uh, will not be doing is watching the show right. more beyond this yeah. for several reasons. First of all, I stopped watching the show when they did really gross, um, treatment of their female victims. Early on, where they were just, you know, like, in, in I think it was, like, mid-up season one, maybe? There was an episode where they just, like, straight up show, chose to show a woman getting, I think it was raped or beaten or like something just really violent and unnecessary right at the beginning of an episode. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm done. At the beginning of this episode, the way they introduced the new character is by having him be, uh, he's in the CIA and he's in some brown country. Middle Eastern country is what they they put a they put up an actual city, um, but it's not doesn't feel very distinct. And he's taking out bad guy terrorists because you know, obviously that's what he's doing. Yeah. And there's a little kid who's helping him, who's his who's his, who's his source. Want to guess what happens to the little kid? Um, I don't. <laughs> yeah, think the little kid gets a stray bullet when he's just because he's going into why I wanted to see do you think. Cool, and then his kid dies in his hand, in his arms. He can't get him down to the hospital in time. Like, it's so manipulative, it's so disrespectful, and it's such cheap writing. Uh, it, it, it was the same issues I was having with Jack Ryan uh, here, and it's yeah. just it's it's using <laughs> all these larger issues that we have in representation as a shortcut in a way you didn't need you didn't need this and like that's that's the thing that i guess is the reason he resigned or left from the cia and that messed him up so much that now he's a beat cop doing parking tickets you know when he gets embroiled in a thing and ends up part- partners with, with uh, uh murtaugh so like it just it was really cheap and disrespectful in my opinion so i will not be watching it but um yeah, it's sad to see that confirmed, you know, that 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 approach to what people's real lives are and um, what their lived daily experiences are, you know, to contribute to that kind of racism and stuff um, and just stereotyping. It's just gross. Um, but the people who like the show, who were not bothered by that, I think will, you know, this will this will work well. And they, they, there's no reason I see nothing in this episode that tells me the show couldn't keep running for seasons successfully. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, we won't, because we won't be watching. <laughs> we won't see, but people will see. Uh, speaking of we won't see, we had the finale, series finale, of The Miniaturist this week. And um, what did you think? How did they wrap things up? 
I think that they wrap things up about as well as possible. From what I understand, that uh, there this the ending is is a departure from the book in mm. pretty significant ways. Um, I don't think that Nella confronts the miniaturist in any way, shape, or form in the book, uh, which mm-hmm. may have been a better choice to make, sort of, um, than what they do here. Uh, but I mean, we can discuss that. Um, I do think that there's a whole lot of um, conclusion sort of like slogging that we have to do in this that ends up making this sort of like the weakest hour installment of the series, even if it's still really well acted by Anya Taylor-Joy as Nella is still really great. And Emily Barrington, um, sorry, not Emily Barrington, but Romola Gari, who plays Marin, is also really good in this episode as well. Uh, for the little bit that she's in it, um, that I think that there's really good stuff, but the kind of shift away from the kind of miniaturist as like this figure that's like doing stuff, but also like not having a clear sense of like motivation um, through the confrontation sequence. Um, mm, Makes it a little kind of squishy, even as much as I like the overall sort of approach of, well, I mean, you're you're changing things just by being here, and that kind of an idea, that kind of a concept, I think is really good. And the end of, okay, I can do this, is good, even though wonderfully naive because no they're not going to let you (laughs) yeah uh so i i think it's i think that the series overall is really good but i just think the finale has too much plot work that it needs to do and too many things that it needs to answer that there's not a fully satisfying sort of episode here and almost as if i needed like another installment to sort of address everything as opposed to hitting as many answering as many questions as possible before the end of the hour yeah, how did the, you feel? I, I I liked the miniseries much more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I was much more engaged. The performances are terrific, and yes. again, just visually gorgeous to watch. Um, I was surprised by the thing with the miniaturist. I just figured that the boyfriend was the one providing the information, seeing as he sure. was the delivery guy. That just seemed mm-hmm. like that made a lot of sense. But yeah. they were really going for this like mystical kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I have eyes. (laughs) Yeah, which and and then they just then they completely undo that, and I can buy that, especially with the lead being so young and this being a very different time. You know, where I'm get this is pre scientific method, right? Yes. No. Yeah. No. I don't. No. No. Post. Post scientific method. method. But it's pre like you know germs and stuff. Yes, Um, it's definitely pre that. (laughs) So like, there's, you know. I can buy her being more superstitious. I can buy her uh, just assuming because she doesn't realize things that other people don't realize things. Uh, However, things like this key stays inside of this drawer where, like, you've never been in the house. That doesn't make any sense. Like, there's things like that that just don't make sense. Um, but you have to go with. And and I was willing to go with it because the performances were so strong and I found the central narrative very compelling. Um, the, the the trial scenes, I thought, were all in the second and third were very uh, impactful. I will be remembering the performances uh, for Nella, but also for her husband, whose name escapes me right now. Alex Castle. 
Yeah, Johans is the yeah Johans is the actor is the character, but uh, Alex Hassel is the actor. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll be remembering his performance as well. Uh. And I liked that. You know, I, th- I thought it was just very affecting and mm-hmm. and interesting. And I didn't really buy how quickly Nella came into her own. I thought that it was very much just a product of. We only have three episodes, so she's going to be very timid for the first episode. And by the third episode, she's running everything. She's got it all down. Like, it happened too quickly for me. Um, but I did think that the the overall narrative and progression was was, was satisfying and interesting. And um, I would be very interested to see if they did, like, a, I could see them doing in several years, right? Or, like, in another year or whatever, picking up and doing another miniseries with these kinds of characters, if the writers and directors wanted to. And I would be super interested to watch it. Completely yeah. original. Like, I would follow these characters. Um, and I think there's a lot that they could do with them. Um, yeah, I yeah. don't think they will, but I would no. totally watch it. Yeah, no, I think, like, a sort of Nella, Otto, and Cornelia sort of story, I think would be really interesting to watch. And this sort of group of misfits within Amsterdam Mm -hmm. fighting the Burgermasters and the delightfulness of that, I think would be really interesting while still maintaining that kind of Baroque aesthetic of how really gorgeous this show is, which I think is like the other big takeaway about this is probably one of the better looking and aesthetically arty type of shows i've watched this year and Mm -hmm. i really appreciated that um even if it's sort of occasionally scaled back a little bit um as it progressed like i don't think anything cap really capture beats that for that shot of everyone in the household praying in episode one um Mm -hmm. for sheer oh no this is this is a painting (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is one of those living painting deals from that gilmore girls episode (laughs) um so I, 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 I will probably remember some of this when we do, like, year-end of review stuff. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be, like, in my top 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of really good things to mention. Even if we try to debate Mirren, Marin as an antagonist or whatever, because that character is just so good and so delicious. Um, we don't have sugar because it erodes the soul. But please sell it to those dirty papists. It's just really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's good times. Uh, yeah, and, and I wouldn't have thought to watch this, so thank you for bringing it to my yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. fun. And Poldark starts next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have Poldark yet, so what wins yeah. your week in TV? Uh, everything is Bones. It's a good place, Kate. Uh, wins my week in TV. What about you? Yeah, good place. Definitely a good place. Um, and, well, the actual answer is Dr. Ford, but yeah, let's keep this in a happier place and say the good place, which was a terrific premiere. Now we'll take a break and come back with our spotlight on Murphy Brown. Semi ready. Murphy Brown, where are they now? Take one. And action. I left FYI a few years ago. You couldn't tell the evening news from an episode of Entertainment Tonight. The problem was I didn't know what to do with myself. And then... We had an election. So we had to do something. Get the old gang together. Take on this crazy new world of alternative facts and fake news. It's our civic duty. And besides, you missed us. You know you did. Wow. Mm. 
you know, it's not nice to mimic someone. <laughs> If you are any of the following, a smoker, a manic depressive, a fan of Donald Trump, or a collector of Nazi memorabilia, this isn't going to work. When I spoke to Satan this morning before breakfast, he pretty much guaranteed this would be a great experience. Primetime TV has Murphy Brown mocking the importance of fathers. Women in this country legally have a choice. At least I think they still do. I haven't checked the paper today. Here's some ice chips, Murphy. Can I put some in your mouth? I see your hands are full. Cut me open and get this kid out of me. Use a rotten, stinking melon baller if you have to. Just do it! You make me feel like a natural woman. This is my job. back with the televerse this is kate kalsik joined as ever by noel kirkpatrick and this week we're doing kind of like a joint dvd shelf and premiere spotlight on murphy brown which came back for season 11 last night as we record now noel has screeners i have not seen screeners so you've seen a few more episodes you can have more thoughts on the season to come Uh, but let's start out with the premiere and and what you thought of that and then we'll transition to a larger conversation about this show as a whole for me i felt like it was a really it felt very organic with the rest of murphy brown i thought i mean the the, the one element that is was completely lacking was the the music right because they can't do use music the way that they did in the original because that's why nobody can watch it streaming or on dvd because they it was uh, like motown was such a core part of of the character you know, and and uh, M- Murphy Brown herself, and also the show was used as the theme song. It was used throughout. It was a big part of the like culture and personality of the main character and the show. And that was very much lacking here be- because they can't get the rights and they don't want to pay for the rights. So and opening with "Sympathy for the Devil" was very expected as they did the montage of you know the Trump stuff and the the twenty sixteen election. But um, other than that, I felt like it was really in the style and personality and character of the previous show uh i enjoyed it but didn't laugh that much and that but that's kind of also how i felt about murphy brown overall so i thought it was satisfying it to watch you know anyone with my political beliefs is gonna find it mostly satisfying um and and i was glad it's on like if there are other shows that are going to be on right this is perfectly fine um i'm sure people will enjoy it i enjoy some of the 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 cracks that they were doing and some of the observations about different generations and everything worked for me. But I, I was surprised to find myself enjoying, but not really laughing at Murphy Brown overall, even while thinking it's a good show, but yeah, I was just surprised as I went through the back catalog to not laugh more. Um, which is an interesting thing to say about a comedy that I still respect and enjoyed. I don't know. What did you think of the premiere? Uh, I think I was a little cooler in the premiere than you were. Um, 
I think that the that the show has to do a great deal of like work to get a cable show off the ground, <laughs> yeah. believably, without like diving into anything about the process of doing that um, to justify sort of its new premise. Uh, so that's that wasn't I wasn't crazy about that, but I understood it from like a narrative perspective. We need to get going, type of thing. But it also resulted in a sort of struggle of. All right, this is the show that we want to do, which is we're not going to make politics combative and we're going to really report on the issues. And then we end with Murphy getting into a live back and forth with the president on while he's tweeting about her. And it's just it's a little weird to me and it's a little disjointed, but it also speaks to what the show wants to say going forward about operating within a post-Trump sort of milieu and being a show that deals with the Trump administration very aggressively over the course of the next two episodes as well. Um, For better, for worse, mostly for not that great. Um, And so I sort of struggled with the premiere in that regard. Um, And that for me, a lot of it also from watching the 18 episodes I did on All Access and then also just having memories of the show because this was a show I was allowed to watch when I was growing up. Um, That a lot of the stuff that didn't, it didn't happen on FYI. It happened like behind the scenes on FYI. And so doing this live in a morning show was just kind of weird for me because it was action that they should be discussing and engaging with outside the purview of the television show in a way that they didn't necessarily do here. But I also think I've recognized that a lot of that is a shift in the media landscape from where FYI was basically a uh, 60 minutes, lower ranked 60 minutes sort of news magazine program. And now they're doing a morning show magazine and the differences in that media landscape allow that to happen. But it it shifted up like the dynamics of the show for me in ways that didn't necessarily work in my brain and for these characters in particular. Um, so that's kind of how I felt about the premiere. Um, I will acknowledge that the screeners did not include the uh, guest spot for the secretary position um, in them for whatever inexplicable reason that I do not understand. Just tell people do not reveal it and no one will. Um, critics are generally really good about that. Um, but so I didn't get to see that cameo that mm-hmm. came on. So you can tell me about that. Um, it, it, it's it a good fine. get. It's a Yeah, I'm sure it was fine. Um, yeah. because she's, she's not the best in these sort of situations as Broad City demonstrated, <laughs> but she's fine. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think that there, I think that it was fine. Um, overall, of the three I've watched, it's definitely the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, but for weird sort of reasons. So, and I can't really say anything more without like getting into the others. But I will say that the show is very much wanting to take on the Trump administration and the Trump culture um, in a very different, in a much more direct way than say that the good fight wants to. Um, and actively does. And I think that both of these shows being on CBS and both of these shows being uh, uh, led by women, female characters, um, I think demonstrates a sort of perspective that they really want to push. 
and a ideology that they really want to engage with. Um, the way that Murphy Brown does it just, I think, feels sort of late to the party. And Good Fight is living in the party and is down at like the after after party going, how do we get out of this party cycle? <laughs> and I think that is sort of more where I am. And Murphy Brown really wants to be more, much more of a no rallying cry sort of deal that I don't necessarily know that they know how to dramatize in a way that is both funny, but also timely. Yeah, I don't think that they... Um... I don't think that it comes off as honest. Uh, I think the mm-hmm. character for I think for Murphy herself, it does. Yes. But there's way too much trying to have your cake and eat it too. Like the, yes. the CBS is strong in this pilot. So like having yes. like that moment of like faux outrage. Oh, you just think I'm the tech person because I'm Indian. Oh, but I am. So those stereotypes are true. And it's okay. You don't have to feel bad about about being uh, stereotyping and and, uh, making assumptions based on race. That's okay. It's cute. I'm totally cool with it. Um, Or having uh, Corky go to a woman's march in heels. At least they made them be thicker heels. But like that, again, is going, it's, it's just wanting to portray that movement or in, in yeah. your show and have your character be a liberal or progressive or mad as hell not going to take any more character and then immediately undercutting them and 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 giving false motivations, you know? Yeah, or- and it was such a weird thing for Corky, too, because she had kind of moved past that kind of ditziness by the end of, like, the original run. So I'm not quite sure where that was coming from. Yeah, or and also <laughs> the, pretending that uh, the Ivanka Trump shoes are, are cute. I mean, like, come on. Mm. They aren't. She would never think they were cute. She would never no. think they're cute. And the shoes, yeah. actual shoes, she then put up on the table. Like get we're not looking <laughs> shoes. Like yeah, I, I didn't. It didn't make any sense. And uh, it, it almost felt like it was like an intentional undercutting of yeah of the character and what they were trying to say. Like like the having them all come in from the march and be like, oh, thank God that's over, which was really the the tone that they all brought. Except yeah. for Murphy, I didn't think mm-hmm. I bought it. Um, the quirky of the original show would be like out there, true believer style, <laughs> mm-hmm. and not what we see here. Um, and that it, it's sort of like on Roseanne, right? Where they immediately undercut uh, Jackie, uh, yeah. and it is frustrating to to try to to see them get plaudits for this stuff while not actually confronting what it really means to have this kind of tension in your household or in your workplace or et cetera. Like I, I really enjoy Jake McDornan as Avery. I think that, you know, like he's so good. We really, you know, obviously we're in the back yeah. of Jake McDornan on this podcast, Dorman yeah. on this podcast. Um, an excellent bit of casting, but I, I don't buy the, like how quickly that blows over that you're working at Fox news. And and wolf. it's great that they're giving wolf you news. Your own, wolf news. I roll. <laughs> um, like it's great that they're giving your own show, but like also that is a show that exists. It's called C-SPAN, and people call in all the time. Like th- those shows yeah. do exist. And second of all, um, I don't buy that that would not be a bigger problem for Murphy. And I also don't buy that she would raise a son who would take a job there. Unless we revealed much larger 
bigger dire straits for him financially that require it. Like I just, I just don't, I don't believe it. And they yeah. don't, they want, they just want to set up the premise of a Fox News star and a CNN or MSNBC star, like in the same household, so they can have wacky hijinks and not actually engage with the deeper, far more potent emotional things that would come with that. Right, and he's not even like positioned as an actual conservative as much like mm-hmm. at all. He's very he's very positioned within Murphy's ideology. Yeah. Um, but he's he's there on the show to like really engage the American people on this network type of thing. And it's just like, that's a weird choice. And then there's a number, like your confrontation about him, your, the tension about him working with them comes into the forefront in the next episode, Mm -hmm. next episode, next episode, um, to a certain degree, but it's also again, undercut by a number of other things that are just kind of weird. And, so that that comes into play, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just I was just so irritated at the conversation we see him have with Murphy where both of them she takes for granted what he says as he she immediately just like underlines what he says as true, acknowledges what he says is true, like the idea that there are people out there in America who go to Walgreens and all these other things and cut out coupons and they deserve to be represented as well. Are you saying that as someone who grew up cutting out coupons and going to church every week and all this stuff, I am represented on TV and you know where I'm represented? I'm represented on MSNBC. That is where this proud union member is represented on the landscape. And so when they, in that scene that it's just this larger narrative that, that the wolf network or the conservative ideology or what they're clearly saying is Fox news represents real America and Murphy doesn't. And that's one of my pet peeves in, in, um, in politics, but also especially how politics is depicted in fictional television and and movies and stuff, Mm -hmm. because it's just not true. It's not true at all. It is one, there's one type bubble here and there's another bubble there. And, uh, and they're, they're both, Neither one of them is true America, real America. America is much larger and more complicated than than either of those ideologies. And uh, when a show and a character like Murphy Brown accepts that at face value, it undercuts everything of what she's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I know. I very much agree with you. And the show consistently for the next couple episodes does that and also just does some other weird things that I, if you decide to keep watching, I look forward to discussing with you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it just, again, I think a much more interesting show, a much more interesting show would be a show that actually engaged with that. And, and we talked about this with the Roseanne reboot too. It's like, there is a fascinating actual show to, to make here. Yeah. With the, with these issues and with how divided and how painful um, a lot of, especially like family or or coworker or long term friendship relationships have 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 become and how how fraught they've become and and the real life consequences day to day consequences of of the current social political landscape in the United States and none of these shows seem actually interested in engaging with that and yeah. um, that's very frustrating because you could be so much better <laughs> if you would do that. <laughs> Yeah, and especially for a show like Murphy Brown, which um, in its original run really thrived on being 
far too topical and far too um, invested in the current climate of whatever the week was, basically. Um, which is why the show did so poorly in syndication. Like, it didn't get picked up in syndication in a lot of markets because the humor became very dated within a year. It's like 30 Rock in that way of like, oh, right, that astronaut lady in the diaper. I barely remember that from 10 years ago. Mm. And that kind of stuff is very much on display within Murphy Brown of like, I was talking a little bit about like the, there's a lot of Stone Phillips jokes. Mm -hmm. And I, I mentioned that to a friend of mine and she just went, I barely remember who that is. Keeping in mind that my friend that I sent this to is is older than I am and was just like, yeah, I barely remember who that is. And I just went, he hosted Dateline forever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's that kind of a thing. And I, the degree to which that the show is positioned to deal with this kind of stuff is it's built into the show. It's baked into the show's DNA. It's baked into the character. But the the writing and the writing just isn't there to really engage in a way that, again, feels timely and also feels cohesive and centered. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really missing in this premiere, but especially in the next two episodes. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if I'll watch more. Especially yeah. as TV gets a lot more hectic for us in the next sure. few weeks, but yeah. um, but let's talk about the the original run of yeah. Murphy Brown yeah, yeah. because uh, yes, the references uh, could get very dated very quickly, but yeah. I was like I remembered it fondly. I remembered specific things like moments and and elements of the show. Um, from when I had seen it when it was actually on, but I was still despite knowing the tone and the the sense of humor and remembering all the characters, I was still shocked at how very timely it was. I felt like I was mm-hmm. watching, yes, there are dated references, but I like the conversations they were having in that our conversations we were having right now, it was incredibly relevant. And it like, they were having these conversations about like pundits yelling at each other and just not actually engaging and stuff that this is however many years ago, the show started, uh, the show went on the air in the, in the eighties, uh, and, yep. and there were episodes from, you know, season one, two, three, you know, so like the late eighties, early nineties that feel like they are happening right now. Uh, so I yes. thought that, I mean, of all the various reboots, I feel like this is one of revivals. This one absolutely makes sense if they did it in a different way you know like this is one where i actually am curious and i feel like the roseanne was a similar thing where i would be very curious for an actual honest look at where these characters are and uh they would be in a lot worse financial shape yes (laughs) which is not what the show roseanne wanted to interact with and um i think that there's stuff like that that murphy brown doesn't want to interact with this this new season doesn't um but i i was very surprised again and that's why i enjoyed my experience watching it so much despite not actually laughing that much i thought it was i was just glad to see some of these conversations happening in a way that uh and remembering uh, what an awesome leading lady (laughs) murphy brown is how what and, and what a terrific performance from candace bergen and that this is was a show that ran through the late eighties and through the nineties. And then we didn't see characters like this on TV for quite a while. And it made me, you know, again, this idea that the, the, the powerful 
woman lead is not a new idea. It's a thing we got for a while, and then people went, oh, nobody cares about ladies on TV anymore, and then we, they went away for a while, and they remembered, oh, women actually watch TV. Women buy things. Women go to the movies. Like, it's the cyclical nature of television that just has me holding on for dear life with the various shows featuring, you know, diverse range of characters and experiences that we have right now. And it just highlights how temporary that can be if we allow it to be. And if we allow ourselves to get complacent about it. Um, but yeah, I was, I was surprised by that. And uh, yeah. I, what, what did you think of these episodes? And did you have a similar experience to me where like, or again, like I said, I was enjoying myself. But I wasn't actually laughing. And I was going like, this is supposed to be a comedy, but I'm not laughing. But I'm going to watch another one. Huh. Yeah. No, I, I did laugh a good bit. Um, the 18 episodes that CBS um, posted up on All Access were a very curated list of episodes. Uh, like, basically picking a number of, like, these are really good Murphy Brown episodes is what they picked. Mm-hmm. And there are also really good Murphy Brown episodes that don't have any music in them. So yeah. these are also episodes that we're going to pick. Yeah. Um, but they're very much operating in, even like some of the later episodes uh, that have gone into 1992, they've gone into like a post, they've gone into the Clinton administration, mm-hmm. basically, that still feel like they're operating within that uh, late 80s sort of vibe of coming out of the 70s sitcom tradition Mm -hmm. and dealing with stuff that's not supposed to be funny, but not dealing with it in a TGIF saccharine sort of way. Um, So there's... Scott Bakula shows up for like 13 episodes across like three seasons Mm -hmm. as a... um, Whatchamacallit? As a uh, reporter who basically does like a lot of foreign correspondent and war reporting who joins FYI. Because he's just burnt out. Mm-hmm. And he does a lot of like machismo type of stuff, but in a way that Bacula can do that's very different from how other people would do it. And interrogates sort of why he left and why he didn't want to do this anymore. And the degree to which he sort of helps FYI people sort of come to grips, but also how they help him come to grips. But then there's stuff like, uh, getting mammograms in season 10, um, which p- kicks off like a long storyline for Murphy in uh, season 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always forget because I always think in my brain Lily Tallinn joined much later than she actually did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there's that kind of stuff. Um, there's, there's a very bad episode um, about Murphy going back to her college days because she's getting an honorary doctorate and she sits in on a women's studies class and it's, it's about as bad as you would expect it to be. Uh, the discussion of second wave feminism versus 90s feminism is not great. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not good. It's very bad, in fact. And um, it, was, it was very cringy. Um, but it also speaks to the fact that in that episode, Corky is like the mediator and the bridge between things because of her age and everything, which speaks to the weird sense of how that character, again, gets depicted in the season 11 premiere. Um, but I, I, I think that there's just, like you said, that there's a real engagement with the culture. And so probably one of the best things that I can point to, and is also relevant for an episode that they're going to do in two weeks uh, for the third episode is they decide to, they debate having a Andrew Dice Clay-esque sort of comedian come on FYI and mm-hmm. discuss his 
act as in regards to the fact that he's basically not allowed to perform in certain cities or venues because his act is just too crude or incendiary or misogynist. Mm -hmm. And all right, so A, do we have him on? B, what are our responsibilities in doing that? C, this kind of a thing. And he's played by Michael Chiklis. Mm -hmm. And he's got like this... terrible ponytail and just like a more hair than more natural hair than i've ever seen a michael chiklis ever (laughs) and it's very disturbing um but there's this he finally they do finally have him sit down for an interview but there's a reasoned discussion about having him on the show and what that means and how to pierce any sort of presentation that he's doing and this comes into play in another episode that come in the third episode that deals with them deciding whether or not they're going to have a uh, steve bannon figure cleverly named ted shannon come on uh the show and the michael chiklis episode is a much better version of this type of discussion than what they actually do in two weeks And it's really telling in the attitudes that they want to have. And I think that's really what it is, is like Murphy Brown is engaging in the, across basically its 10 seasons, is engaging in a time of good faith sort of arguments that doesn't exist anymore. And the new show wants to return to that very desperately, especially when we get, get as you'll, if you watch uh, episode two, you'll see that very, very desperately. They want to return to this sort of time in which that they were operating before mm-hmm. that just isn't present anymore. And the show doesn't know how to operate that in that this milieu as well as it did back then. Yeah. And I think that's really telling. Um, and so for me, I think that like the show holds up really well. I think, like you said, that the discussions that they're having are still really topical. Um, despite the references maybe being a little dated, but I do think, or very dated depending, but I do think that this is a show that when it was airing set tones for conversations. I mean, Dan Quayle railed against Murphy Brown, which gets referenced in the premiere really Mm kind of cutely. And I really, that's like basically my favorite part of the premiere is when she says hashtag Dan Quayle, but she's able to do that because the show incorporated Dan Quayle calling Murphy Brown out because Dan Quayle didn't specify that they were talking about the character. Mm-hmm. Not the show, but the show is the character's name. So they just incorporated Dan Quayle calling Murphy Brown out for deciding to be a single mother into the show's like own universe, mm-hmm. which is exactly what this show would do. But... Now it kind of, like, it's squishy because it's A, late, and B, there's that joke about, who's Murphy Brown? (laughs) This is what happens when your show's not streaming around syndication. (laughs) Um, Or even on DVD, yes. (laughs) Or even on DVD, because there's only one season on DVD. And so I think that there's just, there's a desire to be topical and relevant that, that they can't necessarily get to that they had because the media landscape was so different and because it because it was so different that they had that room to play and to incorporate other people like Newt Gingrich shows up and it's bad it's bad but it's also one of those things where you can have Newt Gingrich show up and it not feel like the show's selling out in a way mm-hmm. 
Um, whereas today, I don't think that you can get away with that. Um, no. So I think it's it's really instructive, I think even more than some of the other reboots because of how timely Murphy Brown wanted to be across its run that now it's operating into this different sort of um, setting that it's struggling to find a voice that matches where it was then without really acknowledging that times have changed enough that maybe it's there's not space for this anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's really sad, but it's also then find a way to tell these stories that make sense. Yeah. And I don't know that, that they have. And I've been monologuing for a bit, so I'm going <laughs> to stop. But it's also because... I just really love Murphy Brown as like a character. Like, mm-hmm. as you said, Candace Bergen's performance is just powerhouse mm-hmm. in across 10 seasons. It basically never gets stale, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm already sort of like vexed about this, this performance of Murphy Brown. And <laughs> that doesn't make me, that doesn't make me happy. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. She is such a, a, f- a terrific successor as a character to someone like uh, Mary Taylor Moore, Mary Richards yes. from the Mary Taylor Moore show. And I would love to be able to point to another person in that tradition. Right. And I can't, I can't even think yeah. of one that would be yeah. in that mode of a, a character playing a, a journalist. Um, right. Is there any, I mean, d- I mean, do you want to talk about the newsroom? And no, I don't. This- no, yeah, exactly. I don't. I have no interest in 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 the the uh, the white cis head male leader of the people who's gonna like monologue and explain everything to 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 everyone and just be so superior. Everyone will just learn from and be taught by this great man, capital G, capital M, and they'll solve everything. It's not even remotely the same. It's not even the, the realm of possibility of being the same kind of a terrific, uh, thoughtful, creative, yeah. and actually meaningful character like Mary Richards or Murphy Brown. I do think, like, you know, it was so fun watching these old episodes and, like, the music that's in it, guys if you hunt them down, uh, are terrific. It's really great yeah. music. And and you really, you can see the difficulty they're in because you could not take the music out of the show. You just can't. It's too much of the identity of the show. Like, mm-hmm. in the premiere, she sings Natural Woman, and then when she has her baby, she sings, <laughs> you know, choked up, she sings Natural Woman to her baby again. And um, it's, it's just like, it's a part of, like, every episode. It's 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 very much in the DNA of the show. So it's not like like um was it Wonder Years where they like changed out the music? And that was yes. a big part of the identity of the show, but it wasn't like the characters, right? It was just the feel and the tone of the show. So you could you lose something, but you it's not the same as it is from Murphy yeah. Brown. So that's why they just gave up on on trying to. But it's such a shame because this should be a much more remembered like that little scene of who's Murphy Brown for younger like Yeah. That it's a shame that that's the situation we're in, and it is the situation we're in. It's not going to change because nope. they aren't they aren't willing to pay you know to have the streaming rights make the show accessible and available. And it's a shame because I think if they did, I think they'd make their money right now at least. Right. I I legitimately think that like Murphy Brown would be as popular as like Golden Girls would be. Yeah. If it were as readily available as the Golden Girls is. Yeah. I think. I mean, it's that same. You know, <laughs> Dorothy is more of a Murphy yes, Brown exactly. than yeah. than some of these other characters. Um, and so it, it really is a shame. But um, yeah, it it is a really 
interesting and thoughtful and uh, creative show. And it's just a just a fun time to like. I just enjoyed spending time with these characters when mm-hmm. I watched it. And um, and like you said, the conversations they were having in the show were terrific. And uh, you know, down to that that wonderful what they did with the Dan Quayle thing. Like it's like you know the writers are like oh delicious, thank you so much. Yes. Nom 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 yeah. nom 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 nom. We're gonna make our two part <laughs> premiere be all about this. Um, but. You know, you have the. I still remember the scene when Jim brings brings Murphy Pot. I didn't watch that episode again, but like I remember that from when it initially aired because she's going through chemo, mm-hmm. and this was like a hugely controversial thing they did on the show then is to have yes to show someone using medical marijuana without judgment and to have that be something that's supported by the most by the, by the very conservative member of the of the crew of the cast, yeah. not the actor, but yeah. like the. FYI yeah. cast. Um, definitely stiff. The degree to which he's conservative, I think, fluctuates, but he's mm-hmm. definitely like the stiffest, most rule bound sort of guy. Yes. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. And, and just like the different, the, the different issues that they tackled over the course of the show and the, the fun and the care that they gave to them. It was something that, you know, I think they made a good show, even if, again, it's not yes. for me a laugh riot. Um, yeah. if they made a good show. And, uh, yeah, if you are looking for some of this, you can find it out there to stream. Just you know, speed up the 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 playback to one point two five, and you'll be fine. Um, and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, any final final closing thoughts on Murphy Brown? No, just that it was it was a really good show, and I'm very worried about Pale Imitator, but hopefully that they find a way to kind of really come forward. Um, after this initial batch, hopefully. Knock mm-hmm. on wood. Um, anything for yeah. you? Um, just that I was glad to seek it out because I haven't. Because, you know, yeah. legality. <laughs> and and I wasn't going to download anything. Um, so uh, I'm glad that there are people who are being introduced to Murphy Brown. If they have all, all access, they can watch the, the old show. I think CBS, if this does well, I think CBS will pay the money to get the, the old show out there. Yeah. Is it CBS or Warner Brothers? I forget who actually owns the show yeah. off, the top, off the top of my head, but I think it might be Warner yeah. Brothers, but I don't remember. Yeah, but it, it was, I was glad to spend the time with it. And uh, mm-hmm. if you have CBS All Access, you should do the same. Um, yes. I, yeah. If you are at all intrigued by our conversation. And, and if you are kind of turned off by this premiere of season 11, I would say don't let that turn you off of the show overall. The show. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, a few show notes here at the end of our week. Uh, you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can find us with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed in iTunes and in uh, Stitcher. You can uh, leave us the rating review either place. We'd love to hear from you. And, of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse, And, Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you very much, Kate. Thank you very much. We're going to go watch things and get sad again, likely. pretty much. Until next week. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. (laughs) 